Hi, welcome to Not Another Marketing Podcast, where I'm talking to Anthony Cousins, the CEO at narrative monitoring AI tool Fact Matter. Now, we're talking about social media threats to your brand and how to detect them. Thanks for downloading. Now, every brand needs to take a stand. If you don't, you could be in trouble, okay? And if you do, you could be in trouble. Uh, You need to know where threats are coming from as well and the scale of, of problems that could be your fault or could be other people's fault. So in this episode, I'm talking to Anthony Cousins, the CEO at narrative monitoring AI tool Fact Matter. Now, we're talking about the types of threats that are out there, if we can anticipate problems, and also talk about how good the AI is a kind of identifying problems. Now, you can find Anthony on the Fact Matter website, which is factmatter.com, F-A-C-T-M-A-T-A.com. Also on LinkedIn as well. You can check out the links in the show notes. Can I quickly mention that Not Another Marketing Podcast is ad-free? Love it if you could give the pod a quick shout on social media. Subscribe on your podcast app. You can check out more episodes at jtid.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Can I also quickly invite you to my Facebook marketing group? Now, it's called Not Another Facebook Marketing Group. And there's a link in the show notes. I'd love to see you there. Now, let's get on with it. The first thing that I asked Anthony was if any brand should kind of listen to what was being said about them on social media, or is it just brands with attitude? I think it probably used to be brands with attitude. Um, and I think what we're seeing now is a change towards buyers kind of buying based on belief. Um, yeah. So if you're a B2C organization, then absolutely, you you absolutely need to be taking taking stock of what's being said online about your brand and about your broader industry and the impact your industry is having on the environment, uh, on climate change, on international conflict, right? Ukraine uh, yeah, has brought sure. that into the fore. Brands that have nothing to do really with the conflict in Ukraine are being kind of, I say encouraged, uh, you know, I think it's it's interesting to see brands um, like McDonald's, you wouldn't have thought have anything to do with um, yeah. with the conflict in Ukraine, shutting their, their stores in Russia. Um, so every brand now, I think, is paying attention to what's being said um, uh, online uh, because they're recognising that more more Gen Z, more millennials in the buying populace, you know, reaching you know, levels of affluence now, mm. um, having much more spending power. Uh, and those groups buy more based on belief. So, yeah, I think absolutely brands, every brand now, B2C brands for sure, but even to a degree B2B uh, brands, I, th- I think uh, are needing to pay attention now because uh, every B2B brand is, you know, if you look into their supply chain, could they, there could be skeletons in those closets, right? Of course, yeah. The way the suppliers are, are, are supplying them, whether they have any kind of... Um, sustainability issues or yeah. impact on the environment. So even if you're a B2B brand, I think you need to pay attention to make sure you know what your onward supply chain, what your clients are be looking for in the way you behave, the way you act. Um, so yeah, I think in this day and age, yeah, B2B, B2C, everybody should be paying attention to what speaks out online because the opinions of those consumers now matter more than ever. Yeah, it, it before it used to be that kind of like you, you do something wrong, you make a bit of a fool of yourself and everyone would kind of like pile on at slaughter. You might make the press and all this sort of thing. Now you, you may end up in, in a problem, in a situation um, through doing absolutely nothing wrong. I, I, I was working with a, a guy who ran a little tiny independent um, beef burger uh, restaurant. It was like posh beef burgers, 
real mm-hmm. nice ones. And and that's that's what they were doing. They they weren't they weren't trying to get on any bandwagon. They weren't trying to stand up for any rights or anything. They were just just a little restaurant. But then they had an awful lot of vegetarian and vegan vegan folks suddenly start to slaughter them on social media just for selling burgers. And yeah. and it's almost as if you can you could be going along doing your business and thinking you're not doing something wrong, but somebody else somewhere thinks you are. Would that, would that be right? Uh, I completely. So that that's um, I I think this could get really really interesting, scary. Mm. Uh, if you look ten fifteen years from now, whether or not we need to consider brands will really only be able to sell to the consumers that have the same beliefs that they do. Yeah. Um, so that that whole tar- you know, target um, target addressable market that whole calculation might need to take into account um, the fact that people will be much much more buying on beliefs. Therefore, just you know that that addressable market is much smaller for that business because you know these guys believe in this and, and these guys believe in that. Um, mm. I would go one further though to say it's not even just about what you're doing right now. Whether what you're doing right now um, is within the interest of, of a certain group or, or a certain kind of um, area of the market, it's actually. If you enter the limelight, you've got to be prepared to be held accountable for anything you've done in the previous yes. you know, experience. So any, anything you've tweeted, anything you've shared online, any, any of that could be brought back up again if people start to do a deep dive on you. As we've seen you know, with celebrities largely, right? You know, people yeah. looking at celebrities, looking back at what they said 15 years ago yeah. when, you know, different world and, and taking those comments and making them like they've said them today. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, the, the whole cancel culture... Uh, is here to stay because yeah, people are buying more based on beliefs. I think depending on the stats, you could you've got people. I think three years ago, Edelman found it at, at uh, nearly sixty percent of people willing to boycott a brand based on their political or social. Nothing to do with the service, right? Nothing sure. to do with the product. Yeah, but based on their on their on their social or political stance or lack of a stance. Um, and now that's depending on the research you look at, maybe even eighty percent. And I, I suspect even more uh, actually. Uh, willing to boycott a brand based on political or social um, social issues. So yeah, I think brands now need to take that into account. Like take go back to the McDonald's in Ukraine example. Mm. Um, it's you don't need to just take a stance on the aspects related to your product. You've got to take a stance on everything and anything that your consumers might expect you or want you to take a stance on. That's that's really interesting uh and like i said scary because brands now have to start paying attention to issues which they probably don't have any experience in yeah sure uh, it's not, it's not a new thing though is it i mean if you go back go back to yesteryear uh you had brands like north face and patagonia and that who were like mid 70s i would would imagine and they were they were taking a very very big stance on certain certain things particularly with the environment and um, so do you, do you think if you do take a stand on something being a brand you have to kind of own it and you have to be upfront about about what you believe in uh, absolutely. So um, a couple of points there. So completely agree. Brands that have an interest. So North Face uh, and those kind of uh, organizations, obviously, mm-hmm. they they have an over interest in the environment. They're trying to encourage people to go into the environment to use their, their equipment. There's, yeah. there's a clear like alignment there yeah. right, between yeah. the, the brand and the topic of which they're getting interested in. I think the difference now is that, you know, um, North Face is probably being expected to take a position in Ukraine because everybody is when previously yeah. they, they have no real, you know, kind of relationship. Sure. So um, I think that is what we're seeing more of is is brands, yeah, having to take position on, on issues that actually don't really have that much an alignment to their brand at all. Yeah. What types of threats do you think we should be looking for? Um, so we're seeing uh, a kind of different categories of threat, mm. right? Um 
So you've got uh, what we kind of misfire or kind of crossfire uh, type issues, which is where brands um, get accused of things uh, completely randomly. We saw a really interesting example. Um, we were tracking uh, uh, a, it's a kind of it's a small thing, a pizza brand. Yeah. Right? So you wouldn't have thought any no. any real uh, no. risk of misinformation or no. disinformation because it's a pizza no. brand. Yeah. yeah. Um, but this pizza brand got mentioned um, as part of a right-wing conspiracy theory oh. um, that circles around uh, Sweden, in, in particular Stockholm. Yeah. So there's uh, kind of a, a, an extremist uh, conspiracy theory that Stockholm is basically a no-go area. You can't walk on the streets. There's rape and murder and pillaging. There's weapons. And basically right. this whole narrative that uh, people are trying to create that Sweden yeah. is, is a no-go zone because obviously Sweden is seen as quite a liberal country yeah sure so the the reason that that narrative exists is to kind of trade hey look what happens if you're liberal look at you know yeah. all, all yeah. the unsafe you know aspects of this because of, yeah. of the liberal policies so um we saw we found a bot account which was uh sharing a story about having eaten this particular pizza um, with the chief of police in uh, one of the chiefs of police in in Stockholm, which right. is not true. It was a bot account. You obviously completely made up stuff. Yeah. But if you're that pizza brand, that's not that's not great for you to be associated with that particular narrative. Um, and that's the kind of risk that people see you associated with that. And like, hey, what do you think about that? Yeah. You know, what do you think about the pizza brand? So all of a sudden, you're going to get asked that question. And I think the challenge brands facing right now is you kind of need to react quickly. Um, hesitation uh, can be seen as you know um, you becoming complicit potentially sure. uh, with with that narrative. So there's there's kind of you could get name dropped and caught in the misinformation crossfire in any subject. Yeah. But then of course of course you've got the other categories, the more typical characters. You've got keyboard warriors. You've got yeah. uh, fake news entrepreneurs just creating content to make money from it, and that could that could catch you up. Um, you get caught up in state produced misinformation. You've got competitors creating content which may or may not be true about your products uh even more so these days especially with a really large organization you've got insider leaks and whistleblowers um yeah. you know potentially sharing their stuff on, on social media first um which becomes a, a crisis uh and then you've got obviously crisis management in general on, on social media yeah um and then you've got the on top of all that you've got the traditional media which is doing what it used to do nothing's really changed but when the um, misinformation or disinformation or when harmful stuff starts getting shared online they sort of have to comment on it if everyone's sure. seen it yeah, they have course. to comment on it unfortunately that just fuels the fire Yeah. so there is there's a, a real challenge that I think that journalists in general are facing is like how, at what point do we do we comment on this because we don't think it's true but everyone's seen it so yeah I think the the traditional media can potentially act as a supercharger for the kind of harmful content you see online which which is the reason why brands need to be much quicker at identifying those harmful narratives, tracking them, identifying who started them, identifying the cause, the reason behind them, and debunking them or, or kind of deplatforming them as soon as they can. So yeah. it really becomes, you know, time is of the essence, really, for brands who are dealing with all these threats. And how many bots are about? I mean, how? I mean, the average business, the average medium-sized business, how worried should they be about? bots just being and who's creating all these bots why can the social media companies not identify a bot um so this is it is a surprisingly mm. difficult difficult task yeah um so it's a it's effectively a zero-sum game um between the platforms like twitter and facebook to identify yeah. um bot behavior um and then roll it out and just as soon as they put one rule in place to identify it and block it then the people creating the bots find a different way of approaching it 
Um, so it's it is a zero sum game. We, I don't think we're ever going to completely just kind of uh, wipe out the bots. And and it's got to the point now where actually the the um, the people creating the bots aren't using aren't using completely fake accounts. They're just buying real accounts. Sure. Um, and they're and they're using you know a real life account and they're just taking it over. So if you're looking at the history of the account, it seems totally legit. Yeah. Seems like a you know a complete normal usage because it was it was being used by a human, but now it's a bot. Yeah. So I think that is yeah is is forever going to be a challenge. But in terms of what brands need to worry about, um, I think it doesn't matter whether it's a bot or whether it's a human. Hmm. The um, the impact is the same. The impact is it's you know a piece of misinformation, disinformation, or it's you know defamatory content, or or it's just inflammatory content um, about your brand, about your leadership, about your CEO, about your impact on the environment, about your supply chain. It could be really about any part of your business. Um, it doesn't matter whether it's come from a bot or not. You still have to have the same media monitoring tools in place to identify it and react. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of stuck between between all of it because I th- I think some of it is a is a good thing. I mean, for for example, the the problems which some of the video game um, companies have been having mm. in the states, where their management and and the culture within their company is actually pretty bad, mm-hmm. uh, and then when employees go out on social media and obviously cause a storm about it and 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 tell folks about what's actually going on, I think that's probably a good thing the bad part about this is is when all of it's completely made up and folks are just doing it for some weird reason yeah very little they can do about it. i i honestly I, I don't um uh i don't envy the position of the the companies looking to um monitor or, or uh, moderate yeah uh, content related to, to gaming because it is it's an extremely oh, toxic environment yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and not only is it re- extremely toxic but the and it, this you know there's probably psychology about this, but the the content of the games themselves lends itself to discussion about topics that in sure. any other environment would be considered like you know call the police right yes uh, I'm I'm going to kill you I'm going to kill you right now yes. uh, I'm going to go and kill myself and yeah. that is totally normal discussion for some yeah. games because that's the way the gameplay the gameplay mechanics work yeah yeah um, so to determine where where is toxic and yeah. not toxic in those kind of environments is extremely difficult. Yeah. Um that that really is specialist stuff. So um I think I don't I don't kind of envy their position. Um but I, I think it's interesting to to see in those environments um how the leadership act and, and how people react to the leadership that is just the same as any risk any brand faces yes. um, when their leadership um is under the spotlight. Yeah. Um so I think they they should be handling it the same way most other brands would handle that but um, I think there's there comes an element of when you're so, such a large organization, when you have such a big fan base, uh, and when you have so much money, uh, with that, you know, absolute power corrupts, right? Yeah, and I think yeah. it's very yes. difficult for, for people to avoid that corruption. Yeah, of course. Yeah, can we kind of anticipate problems be, almost before they happen? Can we see something maybe boiling in the background? Yeah, uh, and this, yeah, absolutely, you, you can, or you can now. I think this yeah. this actually has been the challenge when humans are looking, uh, trying to uh, to monitor what's being said online and what's being shared. Um, very difficult to spot. You know, you, the the sure. level at which a human is going to spot a trend is never going to be as early as uh, if you're using a computer to try and spot that trend. Yeah. So, and this is this is one of the things that that we we are particularly interested in. Uh, is we can spot, um, you know, we will spot uh, what we call a narrative um, as small as two or three similar opinions, right? Sure. So that, that is no way, if you're looking at a, a corpus of 20, 30, or even 100,000 individual mentions, right? If you're looking at a big brand, um, you're looking easily at hundreds of thousands of relevant mentions over a period of time. Um, there's no way a human would spot three. 
individual mentions and go, yeah, that's no, that's of course a trend. Not. No, yeah. But the AI can, and it can track it. And if that is three today, but tomorrow it's six, um, and to the day after that it's twelve, and then it's fifty, the the numbers add up to viral growth, uh, and therefore we can flag that. So I think that's that's actually exactly where AI should be helping out the industry more, uh, and the industry should be looking for AI is is early warning. Yeah. Um, on trends is is the AI just checking social media or is it looking at, at maybe mainstream press as well I think you have to look at all of it so ours mm. looks across across the piece because narratives may start in one place and end up in another yeah uh, we see regularly that you know uh, official statistics released on websites and and uh, and then shared on on forms related to that content get picked up and shared on Twitter um, through Twitter, more people get followed and, and shared and, uh, and kind of the narrative grows there. And then maybe it gets a deep dive on Reddit. Uh, and then eventually the traditional media sees it because it's been picked up by that many people. And then it gets an, another boost and it pops up elsewhere. Like narratives exist uh, kind of agnostic of the underlying platforms. Narratives are that ephemeral, you know, um, the thought and the, the feeling you have about a story. Um, so, yeah, it doesn't matter what platform that exists kind of if you ban it on one platform it will just move to another uh, yeah. because the, at the end of the day that narrative exists in people's minds so yeah. yeah absolutely you have to track cross platform sure so how does the ai kind of understand the context of 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 all this this content so um the machine reading technology that we're using is effectively looking for um, a number of different things um so similar sentiment um, yeah. And sentiment analysis, obviously, has been around for, for a while. Yeah. Um, our view is that sentiment analysis is uh, obviously sentiment analysis looking at if people are using positive, neutral or negative words, you know, objectively. Yeah. But it, but sentiment analysis is a good example. It doesn't understand the context. Um, it's just looking objectively at those individual words. Um, and we felt that wasn't enough. So we've built um, uh, what we call a stance model, which is right. like in, in, in language, it's uh, uh, like a targeted sentiment model. Yeah. So effectively, you need to ask it a question, um, which is, you know, how do these people feel about X brand? How do these people feel about Russia? How do these sure. people feel about Ukraine? How do these people feel about Adidas or yeah. Pfizer? Yeah. Doesn't matter. Um, once you have that kind of keyword, that question, you can target the sentiment to work out, are these people for or against that overall topic? So it's not looking just generally at the words. It's asking the question, what do they believe? What is their intent towards this overall or, or, or topic? So um, uh, that's kind of one way in which we're looking for, for patented trends. And the other is in kind of obviously is, is what they're saying. So you know, people can say the same thing in multiple, very slightly different ways. Uh, and our technology is capable of understanding that those, those nuances are just nuances of the same meaning. Uh, and then we group that meaning together into what we call a, a narrative. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're looking at multiple different factors, um, but meaning and, and, and sentiment or other stances are the key ones. Uh, how clever do you think the AI actually is at the moment at I identifying kind of speech patterns and, and sentiments and sentiment and things like that? Uh, I think it's actually really good. Um, hmm. I think where where we still got work to do is on the machine on the other end, which is machine writing, uh, yes. machine, <laughs> <Yes>. underst <laughs> yeah. machine understanding. Yeah. Uh, I say understanding machine machine identification of similar meanings in words. Yeah, it's capable. It can do that. Right. Um, understanding sentiment and stance. Sentiment um, you, to a to great density is is accurate depending on what you're trying to use it for. Right. If if you're using sentiment for anything other than are these words positive or neutral, then it's not great. Um, stance is a much more effective model for identifying kind of intent and meaning. That's pretty solid. What we're not yet at the at the, uh, the level of is the machines turning that understanding and intent into its own 
writing. Sure. Uh, and then kind of because like, then we're really into interesting territory of, of PR people or social media experts kind of effectively automating the analysis and automating the outcome, which let, let's face it, 20 years from now, we're, we're going to be doing that, um, if not sooner. Uh, but right now, we're only at the level where the machines can help you automate the, the, the bulk heavy lifting of the analysis, but then it's still for a human to decide what to do about that, what to write in response, what to produce in response. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it, we're definitely at the, at, the, at the level where AI can help with the with the heavy lifting on the analysis. But yeah, we're still needing humans to. Yeah, to yeah. I've tr- I've tried a couple of those um, those services out, which will write a uh, write mm. some content for you, and it's it'd kind of like be a bit of a vicious circle, wouldn't? Because the AI would ret- write the content, it would then get you into a lot of trouble <laughs> because the content's rubbish, and then it can spot where the trouble is. Yeah, or, yeah, absolutely. We, this will be a uh, self-fulfilling prophecy, no doubt. Um, it'll be the battle of the AIs between the brands in, yeah. in 10, 15 years' time. Um, how do we kind of report on this? Um, do we have, like, dashboards available to us where we can say, oh, right, so threat score level is whatever it is, or uh, uh, folks like us, X percentage, that that type of thing? <laughs> yeah. Have you, have you seen our product? It feels like you have. Uh, so... <laughs> Um, so this is exactly what we do, actually. Um, right. So the the aim is we pr- pr- provide actually what you just titled a threat score. Yeah. Um, for for each brand. So um, looking across all the different aspects of the narratives being shared about a brand online uh, across traditional media, social media, forums, and blogs, um, what is the the quality of the conversation in terms of uh, how fake is it? So we've got we can identify yeah. fake news, misinformation. Uh, how racist is it? How sexist is it? How generally toxic and harmful is it? We we have 19 individual machine learning models that identify all those different kind of factors um, and then provide a score for a brand. Um, so you basically can track that score and see if that score spikes. Uh, okay, you've got an issue. Something Something's happening. Something's being shared. You can then investigate via the tool, mm. um, via a dashboard. Here are the narratives that are causing that spike, right? And there's a new narrative mm. just because of this story, because of this issue. Um, and you know, once you've established the narrative, you can go. Okay, when did that narrative start? What was the first thing that was shared? Can we go do our root cause analysis and understand what we need to do to combat that? And who's driving it? Who are the loudest voices in this narrative? Can we reach out to them? Can we can we encourage them to see another way? Yeah. So um, yeah, absolutely. That's kind of what our tool is there for. It's, it's the automating the analysis part, allowing you to then make better, quicker decisions on what to do. But it's still you still need kind of a human there to decide. Yeah, um, but we're just trying to take the heavy lifting off of the bit that the humans don't really want to do, which is the the data analysis. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, uh, is there some sort of klaxon that goes off? Because I mean, uh, the problems can arise incredibly quickly, can't they? I mean, within hours on social media, problems can turn into nightmares, and a lot of that might be out of office hours. You know, it might be in the evening during the night. Is there some sort of thing that can go? You've got a problem. Well, the, definitely, the number will go from from green to red. Uh, right. So. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we, we've got, uh, kind of indicators in the system. Uh, we are actually building right now, kind of, uh, we're working on a custom set of notifications. We realized that what, what might bother some brand might not bother other brands. Sure. Um, so we're building kind of a custom set of, of notifications based on some logic you can set. So, you know, uh, I'm interested in, um, you know, particularly if, if our number of mentions, uh, goes beyond X percent on a, on a given day. That's that's what we consider an anomaly, and we'll we'll flag to you what we think an anomaly is. But you can set that yourself, and then get notified. But at the end of the day, because we're just automating the analysis, still need a human there. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, we can flag and we can send you a notification, uh, but then today you're still gonna have to wake up and do something about it. Yeah. Can we do competitor analysis as well? Can we kind of like find out what what folks think about our co- competition? Yeah, that's that's a classic use case. Mm. Um, so people are tracking obviously information about themselves, tracking yeah. information about the industry more broadly, which can include competitors. In which case, you can see how for share of conversation, share of voice, voice, uh, your brand compares with other brands in certain topics. Um, but also you can see what people are specifically saying about other brands. Yeah. Um, you can track their brand and see maybe what risks they're running. Maybe those risks are the same for you. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a classic use case that um, any brand using a product might run two, three, four or more individual topics um, to understand specifically about them, their industry, their competitors. Um, yeah. Yeah. Where, where do you see brands going in the future with, with this kind of like advocacy thing? Do, do, you, do you think more... It, it will it will go further. Brands will take more of a stand, or do you think it will eventually just whittle down and, and we'll all forget about it? No, I, I see it going only in, in that direction, driven mm. by by the wants and needs of the of the consumers. Right, right. The, we're seeing that track upwards because of the larger number of, of millennials and Gen Z in the buying populace, and because we know that those groups have more of an ethical uh, and sustainable focus. Yeah. So um, I think we're only seeing it go in one way. And then as we see more of those guys enter the, the workforce and to be in charge of those brands and to be in charge of those businesses, I see, I think I see that accelerating. So um, I think, yeah, it's only going to go one way. Uh, so brands, uh, if they're not already, should be um, getting, getting on with improving their social media listening. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, it's only going to go one way. Do you think it's a bit of a generational thing? I mean, I, I, mean, I, I was thinking like, like about buying a bed a few weeks ago now. And and my parents would have just kind of like just bought a bed, okay? They'd have gone to DFS or somewhere and they'd bought a bed. They wouldn't give them two monkeys if it was built in China or built in Yorkshire. W- wouldn't care. Me, I, I kind of like, I'm a different generation. I want something that's maybe uh, a little bit handmade, will last a little bit longer, okay? Mm-hmm. I don't particularly want something mass-produced, right? But then my daughter, who's younger, another generation, she would be kind of like looking at the wood. Is the wood from a sustainable forest and things mm-hmm. like that? Do you think it is a generational thing and, and the Gen Z are pushing further ahead of that? Yeah, I, I think yeah, absolutely. So Gen Z, even more so than millennials, if you look at some of the statistics. Yeah. Um, I think it absolutely is a generational thing. Um, but I think it kind of bleeds out. And that's probably too simplistic a way to look at it. It's just, yeah. just generation, obviously, because your children have an influence on you. Sure, right? so of course. Yeah. I think we're seeing, actually talking about kind of vegetarian and veganism, um, I think we're seeing a trend now that children growing up are, are becoming much more likely to be vegetarian and vegan, but they're putting pressure on their parents to yes. also become vegetarian and vegan because it's like, well, I don't want to eat meat, so yep. you can't eat meat. So I think it does, it's too, probably too simplistic to look at it today as just these, these um, demographics. Um, because obviously it bleeds out through the advertising that is created to target those obviously also is is you know um, is seen by people outside those groups and has an influence on them yeah so it's, it's kind of simplistic i think that is the driving force but of sure. course uh, that's not to say that people outside of those demographics don't also you know, have those same feelings it's just yeah i think yeah. that's the larger the larger driving force behind the change yeah fascinating stuff i could chat for ages about this because i do find it very fascinating a lot of psychology in all this isn't there mm. um anthony thanks for your time uh, where can we find you your your website and, and social media bits yeah just factmatter.com um so that's factmatter f-a-c-t-m-a-t-a cool. um to be different um so factmatter.com you can look us up on linkedin on the web um twitter um, we're, we're pretty much, yeah, everywhere you would expect to find us. Brilliant. I'll stick some links in the show notes for that. Um, Anthony, th- thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you. 
Thanks again to Anthony for his time. Don't forget to check out the links in the show notes. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe for more on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite podcast player. Just search for Not Another Marketing Podcast. Thanks for listening.